Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. Yeah. Welcome, listeners. I am Kyle Wise, and this is... Oh, Luke Coulson. He's also the host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm actually really excited for this because I know that you have an incredible story. And I think... People will get a lot from listening to it. Yes, uh, I would say this is. I would say this is the reason why we finally decided on this subject matter because we're both familiar with um, some some sadness. Yeah, and we're both familiar <laughs> with some trauma, and we're both familiar with a lack of understanding ourselves and a lack of self-worth and a lack of value. And did I say that already? No, um, but have you noticed like some, when we have the trauma and the darkness and stuff, it just gives us like really <clears throat> fucked up coping mechanisms and a weird sense of humor. Yeah. Well, that just leads then maybe then every single person, I suppose everyone we're friends with is the same, exactly, <laughs> exactly the same problems there. Um, we can get them all on yeah, one by one. Yeah. They can line up around. Tell the, us your darkest They can moment. line up around the the block six yeah. feet apart, as the um, stat, as the rules say right now. Um, okay, so uh, uh, yeah, I am going to get into it. I guess. Uh, so yeah, let me just finish that. So yeah, that's 
that's kind of that's kind of why we wanted to focus on this topic. I think I've carried this thing around with me all of my life, and it's only really just now in recent times that I've started to kind of crack the code and figure out why I, f- I feel like I felt, why relationships have gone, how they've gone, why I've turned to certain ways and been certain ways. Um, so, yeah. Should, yeah. I, should I go? Please. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Okay, so um, let's see, let's start. So very quickly, quick background check. Born in London uh, in the mid-70s and um, father was from, does that really matter? Yeah, I suppose he was from Australia originally. My mum was actually born in Egypt, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, But we were very, I feel like we were very British. And um, we lived in, um, a nice part of London. Um, we did okay, you know? Um, and my childhood was, I don't know. I feel like it was good. I feel like I have memories of being happy. However, those memories aren't necessarily, um, detailed. I just have an overarching feeling that I think I was okay. But later on in life, I decided I had a terrible childhood. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, you can have both. You can have like happy moments and have had trauma. That is true. I, I guess I'm struggling to decipher it all still. But also, there's no I, one thing I've realized is there's no rush. I mean, we can get into that, I guess. Yeah. But it's the hardest thing when you when you get knocked over by something like that. Anyway, so so long story short, we were allowed um, a, a fair amount of freedom as kids. I remember. I had an older brother. We'd spend a lot of time in the park at the top of the road, uh, top of the street, uh, lots of BMXing and skateboarding. And, and, um, <clears throat> so I feel like we could have, even at a young age, like nine, 10 years old, I don't know whether I'm allowed to, remember, I think I feel that like that's legal. You know, your parents can let you, yeah, <laughs> let yeah. you go and hang out and play in the, I think it was a different time too. It, it was a different time, not so rife with child abductions and serial killing crazies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, um, 11, 12 years old, in heavily into BMXing and, um, used to hang out in the park a lot. The park was full. This is a park in London, one of the many parks in London. It's not like New York where you've got a park. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's my version of New York. It's like, you were in the park. I'm assuming you mean Central Park. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure that anyone listening from New York thinks I'm a total moron right now. But, um, yeah. Uh, there's so, just parks everywhere in London. Parks everywhere. Parks, parks, parks. So there was just some nasty people in the park. Um, when my older brother was there, I felt safer. When my when he wasn't there, I was always felt slightly in jeopardy. So we'd hang out in groups. Um, there was always some people trying to steal your BMX or some people <laughs> trying to throw things at you or some people were trying to like chase you or I don't know. Just you know, screaming just, at I, you. I had like this instilled fear in me that I don't know. I, from a very early age, I was panicked. I was anxious. I was just full of anxiety the whole time. Just, just a catastrophizer before I, before I was even like released into the wild, just everything was going to yeah. go wrong and everything that could go wrong Will would go, go wrong. wrong. Yeah. And so anytime these gangs or groups would come up to me to give us a go on the bike. Are they, are they hooligans? Yeah, like, hooligan, hoodlum. Yeah, like like hoodies and like, oi, oi, give us a go on your bike. And you're like, like every Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, by the way, I had like 17 bikes stolen because I was the kid that was like, 
are you going to steal the bike? They'd be like, no, just want to check out the wheels, see if the wheels are okay. <laughs> right, then they're, off they go with my bike. Yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah, again. So, um, so it was a, it was a, probably a, a cold autumnal day and I was 12 years old and I was BMXing with my friend, um, and a, a, a usual gang or group of dudes. With pretty slightly older, came, you know, sauntering up from behind some trees. And I thought, here we go again. You know, this is, again, it's like, can I have a go on your bike? Going to have another bike stolen. So my friend um, was like, let's get out of here. You know, this is not stick around. These who, people don't look like... How did you know your friend? Like, well, he is, and I'm purposefully not mentioning his his, yeah. his name because, you know, it's it's a relatively unique name. And, I you know, I just think that that's probably not... This probably isn't the forum for that, yeah. you know. Um, he was a kid from the neighborhood. Um, and we, you know, we had a good friendship. He went, he moved away. He came back. We rekindled and he was, he was a great, he was just a, one of, one of the kids from the neighborhood, one of the nice kids in the neighborhood, really into BMXing. He was good and he was slightly older than me and I looked up to him and, um, anyway, a couple of these guys were on their bikes, I remember, and a couple of them were on foot and they were, you know, circling us, and I was like, "This is this doesn't feel good," you know. So he lived down one of the roads that was just directly way in the suburbs, just directly off the park. So we got on our bikes and we started cycling as fast as we as fast as we might. And um, he slowed down suddenly, and these kids are after us. They're behind us, and I can see them. Two of them are on their bikes, the others are running, and I'm like, "Wow, we're in we're in some trouble here," you know. And he shouts. He slows down and I, and I'm shouting, come on, hurry up. What's going on? And he shouts, go get my parents. And I was like, you okay? And he's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. And then I, the next thing I know, I hear this like, and he's hit a car and the kids have caught up with him. So I'm like, turn back, get his parents, turn back, get his parents. So I turn back. Because I'm like, I've got to see what's going on. Like, I can't just leave them there, you know? Yeah. And the kids are around, the kids are around him, but he's on the floor and he's in trouble. Like, something's happening. Like, he's having a sort of a seizure, you know? He's yeah. like having some sort of, like, something. He's been hit. It's really Fuck. fucking heavy shit. Yeah. And, uh, at one of the at that point, one of the kids who chased after us takes his bike, which is wonderful. Fucking asshole! And I am beside myself with what to do. So I'm that point. I'm like, I don't. I and you know, I this is this stays with me forever. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could have fucking saved him if I knew CPR. If I knew what to do if someone was in that situation, you he, know. How old are you? Twelve. I mean. <laughs> so anyway, I. I I go back, I cycle down the street, I ring on the parents' doorbell, and I remember her, the mom opening the door, I say, you've got to come, you've got to come, there's been an accident, and of course, it's like, you're every fucking, now, nah. and again, we'll get to this, but it's every parent's worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. But still in my mind, I'm like, he's going to be okay. So we, when we, so I, I go ahead, I get back on my bike, and I cycle back up the road, and it's so vivid, and he is, and she's called 911, or 999, and, and I, when we get back there, I'm like, that—that that is a dead person. Like, there's like, how do you know? Like, he is just... lying there. He's blue in the face, and his eyes are wide open, and he's oh, got like, he's fuck. got like, 
he's got like stuff coming out of his nose and his ears. I'm like, and I said, that's that is what a dead human yeah. looks like, you know. And um, you know, people are coming out. I remember someone comes in. In fact, this has only just come back to me now. Someone, I'm a mess. Someone takes me into their house and gives me a tea because that's what we do in England. <laughs> so, has your friend died? Have a cup of tea. <laughs> Do you want some cake? Yeah. I'm really hungry, but thanks. <laughs> I will have a tea though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was that. My parents came to pick me up. I lived just around the corner. Um, the ambulance came. You know, they were doing the CPR, and I remember them putting him onto the trolley, and him just—I just knew. I mean, just—I just—you just—I just knew. Um, and my parents took me home, and they went off to the hospital to find out what was going on. And then that was a long wait, you know, it was like two hours I was at home and it was so surreal, like time stood still. And then I remember very vividly my parents coming back in the key in the door and me opening the like, door. What do you do in two hours when you're just waiting I don't for... know. At that point, strangely, I remember these feelings of like, wow, I, I, I remember this very, very clearly. I, I remember thinking in my head, wow, I've just, I've just experienced something here. I've yeah. just experienced something that never, that, that, very few people will experience. Especially, yeah. well, maybe they will in their lifetime, but maybe to not that degree. Not so, trying to say that I'm, you know, wow, look, check out me, check out what I've been through. No, no, in no. In my no, head, no. I was a 12-year-old, I was like, this is some major shit, you yeah. know? Like, not just having a friend die, but having been there and witnessing it and seeing him die, you know? Yeah. Um, and my parents, the key in the door, and the first thing my mum said was like, he died. Like, just like that. Like yeah, he, she just came out with it. You know? I mean, you gotta think, like, what is she thinking about on the way back yeah, from the yeah, hospital? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, fine. I was like, I knew it. I knew that was coming. I was fine. I was like, processing it. I was ready for that news. I knew it in my head. I guess maybe I thought, they would figure it out and they'd bring him back to life. But, um, and I remember saying to my brother, I ran upstairs almost excited. I was like, Oh my God, Fabian. Oh, that's, that's this guy's name. <laughs> Probably should bleep out. Yeah. We're going to, um, yeah, he, he died. And my brother was like, Oh my God. But for some reason I was kind of, was, I was, I felt it was kind of, I don't know. I felt it was kind of cool that I'd been through that. Right. Yeah. Anyway, as it transpired that night, it hit me. You know, I was lying. My mum set up a mattress in her bedroom with my dad. There was a mattress at the end of the bed because I was like, I don't want to be alone. And I remember the tears coming and the shock and it all coming and hitting me like a fucking tidal wave. Um, and the next six months, I was a very loud, hyperactive, obnoxious, adian. ADD, like, AT and yeah. <laughs> like lunatic. The next six months, I don't. I feel like I didn't talk. Like I feel. I remember people saying, "What's happened to Luke? Like, was he? What's happened to him? Like, where's he gone?" Oh, I was like, like locked in. You know, I yeah. just everything was locked in. I couldn't cope. I couldn't deal with anything. Then, just to compound the everything, um, there was a court case because the parents really felt that he'd been killed by these, by these guys who yeah. chased us, you know, and they wanted justice. They, you know, their argument was he hadn't been chased. He wouldn't have come off his bike. You guys killed him. 
So at the age of 12, I'm, I'm the key witness at the fucking court case. And these kids, like, know where you live? Like, they... Yeah, well, by this point, they were not... They were not... You know, they, they were... They felt terrible. I think they... It all came around to them. They weren't... Yeah. They weren't, like... They weren't criminals. These, these, they were children as well. So we did a court case. I mean, I took time off school. I'm up in the witness <sighs> box. You know, Wait, hand on the Bible. And... Yeah, yeah. They have wigs, yeah. Order! <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't have to wear the No, I didn't. Uh, Kyle. Oh, sorry. The witnesses don't have to wear the wig. <laughs> but I love the thought now. So I had to do that. And then... Uh, and that was traumatizing too. And I remember seeing the parents sitting in the, in the, you know, in the galley, in the gallery, the gallery, the gallery, in the court with the sunglasses on. It's like a, it's like something out of a movie, you know, it's crazy. And yeah. it turns out the whole thing went down as misadventure. You know, there was no crime. There was no one to be punished. It was an accident, you know, is, is how it was ruled, which I feel like is fine. Um, shortly after that, my parents separated and, um, I blame myself for that. I blamed everything that had happened and my reaction to everything that had happened on the separation of my parents. Yeah. Because that's what we do. You know, I became terrified that everyone around me was going to die. I, I developed this, the most insane panic attacks and anxiety. My parents would go out and they, my mum would go out and she'd come back three minutes late, by which point I would, I was sweating running up and down the stairs, holding the phone, ready to call 9999, that, you know, something yeah. happened to her. Like, trying to figure out if a car had crashed at the top of the street, like... Well, I mean, it, you were a mess. kid, though, man. You had, like... You know, just, like, seemed like it just happened, like... Well, you know. I mean, I think, you know, just even looking at the topic of this this podcast... Yeah. Talk about having your world turned upside down in a second... Did they ever, like, I mean, it was a different time, but did they ever give you, like, therapy or, like... So, yeah, they, they did. But, you know, I, I feel like it didn't... I, I feel like I was too young. I didn't understand what help that would be. I think this was the beginning for me of isolating yeah. and becoming extremely insular and thinking that I knew better than everyone else because I'd been through yeah. what I'd been through, if that makes sense. You know, I didn't want to listen to anyone because in my mind, I was like, you haven't experienced what I've experienced. Now I'm older. I realize that everyone has had something and it doesn't need to be that for somebody to be traumatized. It doesn't need to be that for somebody to be depressed or want to kill themselves. But I had a moment and sometimes I try and make light of it when I do therapy these days. And I think, any traumatic experiences in your life? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> there was this thing, and, you know, and it still leaves the therapist with their, with their mouth wide open. And they remind me that that is a major, major traumatic event. Yeah. And sometimes I have to remind myself because it's easy to just assume everyone goes through that and it's another part of life. And we should all just put our, in England as well, they're all a bit like, chin up. Yeah. You'll be okay. <laughs> See if you can brush it out of your mind. You'll be okay. Have another cup of tea. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I told, I mean, you know, we, we've shared a little bit with each other. Well, we've shared a lot with each other. But, like, when when would you say the moment was 
where it really hits you that this this was the thing that kind of set you down the path that you well were. I think at like 18 I kind of feel like I came out of this weird insular isolation bubble and decided that I was only going to live once and that my life was probably not worth, you know, taking care of anymore. And yeah. So began like some quite gnarly, <laughs> just hedonism. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually for, for sure a, probably a 20 year journey of, of, building up my own self worth and value again yeah. because I, I, I feel like I suffered from survivor's guilt. I feel like I suffered from guilt that I wasn't there and I couldn't do more. I feel like I suffered from guilt about the family breaking up. I took everything on myself. I took, I, I blame myself for everything. Then I just felt worthless. And I think that is a story that a lot of people can relate to, whether it's something like that or whether it's from, abusive parent figures or whether it's from a bad relationship, I began to let myself be taken advantage of because I didn't feel like I was worth anything. Why do we do that? Why do we take on, I mean, I, I'm not judging. I just, I do the same, but it's like, you can judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never talk to you again. But you yeah. Can judge yeah. Me. <laughs> no, like even, even now, like we, we, I take on, like if I somehow build somebody up in my mind and then they have some sort of negative opinion, I take on their bullshit. Yep. Like it's fact. Yep. Um, yeah. You know my dating history, so. I, I do. Yeah, <laughs> we, were just, we were just talking about it before we came on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah I, I think it's easy to do, but then I know a lot of people that have never had any issues with that. And I'm glad that at the age that I'm at now and, where I am in my life now that I've been able to understand that for me, trauma manifested itself in this, in the, this way, which was a lack of love for myself and a lack of worth for myself. Yeah. It took me a very long time to figure all of that out. But most importantly, to realize that th that was all lies. Like, no, I have value. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a great person. You're my best friend. And I'm your best friend. Yeah. And I, but, I, I have a good job and I, and I do a good job, but I still doubt that maybe I got into this. Maybe I, maybe I'm a fraud. I have a good, if I have a good relationship with someone, I'm like, when are they going to find out the, like the real me? And it's taken so long. Hey, hey Luke, how, how many Emmys do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's taken so long for me to understand that I have a, you know, a true value in this, yeah. in this world. And that, I think is a good place to, to end because I feel great and I feel really happy that I, I'm on, by the way, it's the tip of the iceberg. I'm just beginning on this journey to enjoy my life and to feel value and worth and happiness. I think with value and worth and confidence comes happiness, not fake happiness, not telling everyone that I'm happy when really I want to yeah. kill myself, you know? Yeah. What do you think? I think it's great. I love you, man. You, you, I hope a lot of people get, uh, a lot out of this. Me too. I just, just kind of give you, uh, I don't know. It's dead air. 
We, we can edit that. Yeah, we can do that. But also, it doesn't matter. Love Dead Air. Yeah. It's going to be the name of our band. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, it, it's funny that we have this view of ourselves, or used to have this view of ourselves, of like, oh, I'm, I'm this way, and I'm, I'm a terrible person, or I'm, I'm you know, I... But then I, 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 you look at the actions and like, Luke, some of the toughest times in my life, you've called me when I have isolated and been in a room and didn't leave for like a week. And I'm like, it took so much just to get out of bed and shower and then get back into bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you've called me and you were like, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I've done the same for you. You have, but, but here's the, here's the thing. I think that's what's changed for me in the last three or four two or three years is that I see your value and I appreciate what you're doing for me. And then I want to reciprocate it. Whereas before that, everything's a waste of time. Nothing's ever going to feel good. Nothing's going to feel better. And I guess if anything, this goes to show that it took me 20, it took me 25 years to get over and, or understand that trauma and how it had molded me into this person. So I guess the message is like, stick with it. I mean, I, I'm hoping that, you know, for a lot of people, it's not 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> and the last 25 years has been okay. <laughs> like 25 years in like this black hole underground yeah. wanting to like end it all. But, you know, it's a journey and belief in yourself and understanding in yourself and, and surrounding yourselves with the right people. I mean, I feel like we're going to say this with every episode, but that is the absolute key. And don't give yeah. up, don't give up, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're not alone. Thanks, Kyle.